0: The one
1: and only Cliff Richard and the Hi, this is David Ghosty-Wills and welcome to episode 13 of the We Say Yeah podcast, an unofficial monthly Cliff Richard and the Shadows fan podcast where we review and discuss every single EP and LP in semi-chronological order. This month, Mark Cunningham, he of the many Cliff and the Shads related social media presences, say that three times fast, is back with us to talk about the first LP by The Shadows called simply The Shadows. But first, let's get to some reaction to last month's episode when Dennis Dykin of The Smithereens joined me to talk about The Shadows to the Four EP. Jarn Hansen writes, great series, and since The Ventures was mentioned as one reason The Shadows, formerly known as The Drifters, didn't achieve success in the USA, I thought the following should be mentioned as well. To avoid conflict with a popular American vocal group, The Drifters changed their name to The Shadows in the summer of 1959. However, there was already a group in the USA called The Shadows, in 1959, and their lead singer was Bobby V. Bobby V's American Shadows consequently changed their name to The Strangers when The Shadows from England began to get more notice. Later, Bobby V released an album with The Ventures as his backing group, so it all came together. You might have to listen to that a few times, folks. (laughs) That confused me for a moment, but yeah, it all makes sense. Thanks so much, Bjorn. David Purcells writes, Great guest, great podcast, thanks, Ghosty. Well, thank you, David. And Mark J. Daniels writes, Another enjoyable and fascinating episode. I'll be very intrigued to hear what you've got to say about the Shad's first album. Great series so far. Well, your curiosity will be satisfied today because we'll be talking about that record. All of these reactions, by the way, came from the We Say Yeah Facebook page where we have nearly 500 followers. I bet we could get another 500 in short order if everybody who happened to have a profile on Facebook and is listening to this right now, liked or followed our Facebook page. Just look for We Say Yeah over on Facebook. You can also email me. It's we say yeah podcast at gmail.com. And I'm on Twitter. We say yeah on Twitter and i hardly ever use it i'm terrified of twitter every time i go on twitter it's some craziness and i think to myself yeah i'm done okay moving on here we go mark cunningham and i had a spirited conversation about the shadows debut album Mark, over the course of these episodes, we've come across these albums that I feel deserve a place on the museum wall. These are classic records that any self-respecting rock and roll fan should own. Uh, The Cliff album, I think Me and My Shadows is one. Yeah. And this album, the first LP from The Shadows, released in September 1961. Yep, I totally agree. When did you first hear this album?
0: Um, I think... This album was in my dad's collection when I was growing up. um, I listened to a lot of my dad's day records, and I didn't really like anything that was in the charts at the the time. I liked all old music, Cliff and the Shadows in particular. I had 20 Golden Greats cassette, and that was the only Shadows album that I actually owned myself. And I don't think there's any songs on this album that was on that album, 20 Golden Greats, because they didn't put the singles onto the actual albums, the singles. Was a separate package back in the late 50s and early 60s i think it was only the beatles start putting please please me and love me do they they started putting their singles on their albums and that kind Mm. of became the the thing after that but before that um albums was a completely separate package so when i found this album in my dad's collection it was 14 tracks i'd never heard before and i have to say i wasn't impressed when i was younger i loved the fast stuff and I didn't really like the slower stuff but I found over the years that um some of the ones that I totally dismissed years ago have become my favourites now today stuff like Blue Star Nifram, and Livram and Sleepwalk I I just totally dismissed them when I was younger I was more into um uh, González, uh, Chaladugy, right? See You In With Drums just all the fast stuff I absolutely loved and um, Yeah, so that was the first time I heard it. I I probably was about eight years old, I'd say, when we first heard the album.
1: So I didn't hear this album in full until um, maybe five years ago. And the reason for that is I had a Shadows collection that was, I think it's like three or four discs, and everything on this album was on those discs but all mixed up. Yeah. So I could create the album by going from track to track and putting in yeah, a different disc yeah. because
0: I, I think what happened there about 10 years ago i think it's changed now but the copyright was lost on all these um tracks so there was a lot of bootleg cds thrown out with all these tracks and you still find them and what annoys me is that they put the wrong shadows on the cover yes yeah, yeah. They, they have john Rostell and brian bennett on an album cover and you look and it's stuff from 1960 and 1961 before they even joined right so that annoys me but um yeah i think a lot of these songs are just open anybody can put them on cds now like i i think that rule has changed though i'm not sure Mm. well let's
1: begin with track one this was recorded on april 20th 1961 and the songs on this album were recorded over a long period of time it's Shadoogie, a live favorite, written by All the Shadows. It's kind of a rewrite of, or a variation Boogie of Guitar Boogie, Boogie, Boogie Shuffle. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> by the Virtues in the U.S., 1959. I think Burt Whedon did it. In, in, yeah, uh, I think U. it even yeah. goes back to
0: 1945. I, I, Probably, yeah. I, I found a version of Arthur Smith, Arthur Boots mm. Smith or something, uh, played in 1945. great track though i oh, mean it's, it's great live track. yeah they don't um from any of their live shows it's it's a great opener as well
1: yes absolutely it sets the tone and the minute you hear it you go oh yeah it's the shadows which oh, is a, absolutely, a, a yeah. good thing yeah. it's such a signature yeah. sound so then we get to i told you that i have two favorites on this album here's the first one Blue Star, February 18th, 1961. This was written by Victor Young and Edward Heyman. It's the theme from a 1954 TV series called Medic, starring Richard Boone. Conrad Steiner, Doctor of Medicine. Tonight's story has the title, She Walks in Beauty.
0: Guardian of Birth healer of the sick, comforter of the aged. And the qualities of the worthy physician are three. The eye of an eagle, the heart of a lion, the hand of a woman.
1: I feel like the shadow's have cornered the market on obscure television and film references. Yeah, you
0: wonder, was that Nori Perrimer's idea or did they actually find these things themselves? I, don't, I have no idea whether it was Nori's influence because he was writing film scores and TV scores.
1: Yeah, had I not known that, had I not actually looked on YouTube and watched a little bit of the show Medic, because it's up there on YouTube, I never would have known it to me. It's like um, a dry run for something they would do like Peace Pipe a little later on.
0: Yeah, I, I did um, on my Facebook page, The Shadows, when you asked me to do this podcast a couple of weeks ago, I put a picture of the album cover on, on the page, and I asked, Shadows fans, what's your favorite track on this album? Blue Star was number one. So I was kind of shocked. I thought it would be one of the more up ones, but yeah, Blue Star was the favorite. Yeah,
1: it's just great. Track three. Another song that shows up in concerts uh, quite a bit, Nivram, which is Marvin backwards. This was recorded on June 13th, 1961, written by Bruce, Hank, and Jett. And this is one of those numbers, those light kind of jazzy numbers that the shadows excel at, which is unusual for a group at that time. And I love listening to Jet on this.
0: if you watch any um, Hank Marvin or Je Harris interviews on YouTube um, their influence were all jazz actually Jed actually says in a lot of interviews that um, he didn't like rock and roll until he was asked to be in Cliff's group and um, he still didn't like it for a while and it took him a while to actually, it was only when the paychecks started coming in that he actually started <laughs> rock and roll. He, he was a big jazz fan and so was Tony Mean as well. They were big into jazz. and I was listening to a podcast of Hank Marvin recently and um, all his influence were jazz and he's actually gone back to jazz in his later years.
1: So as we were saying, there are some favorites on this album, and then some tracks that are less than favorites, and this next one would be uh, one of those tracks. Baby My Heart, recorded on January 28th, 1961, a song written by Sonny Curtis, and a mild hit for the Crickets. We've got Hank on lead vocals. That combination all sounds great, but for some reason, it's just sort of okay,
0: Gotta make up that life, that, life now, that you're gonna be my very, very young love You gotta baby my heart it's okay yeah it's kind of like they've gone back two years with this one it sounds like something that would have been on maybe cliff's first album or one of their first ep's or something it's just they've always fancied themselves as singers as well they started off as a vocal group which keeps on getting mentioned on this but um in the same kind of style as the beatles did later on but um They all took a lead vocal on different songs on this album. And this was Hank's attempt at a lead vocal, and it's not his best. No, there'd
1: be better ones later. So track five on the album, See You In My Drums, The Shadows, again, continuing with their love of puns. Uh, This was recorded on June 1st, 1961, composed, if you like, by drummer Tony Meehan, and over the course of the recording of this podcast, I've become such a big fan of Tony Mee, and he's now one of my favorite drummers.
0: Only 19 years old when this album was recorded. Like he was only 15 when he joined the Shadows. Like he was only a kid poking around the Shadows, and he got up to play with them with the two boys, and they were so impressed that a little kid could play these amazing drum solos. And then a lot gets said about Hank being an influence on all the fantastic um, guitarists that came after him, like Jeff Beck. Brian May and all they pay tribute Well, I was reading a book recently about Brian Dowen who was the drummer of Tin Lizzy and his one and only influence was Tony on this, this album when you heard that drum solo he wanted to play drums and I find that getting mentioned all the time when I'm reading autobiographies about different people like um, Paul McCartney was influenced by Jeff Harris, Pete Townsend was influenced by Bruce Welch. Um, Brian Downing and Mick Fleetwood was influenced by Tony Main, so it's not just the guitars the influence <laughs> it's, yes. it's, it's, it's every one of them influenced some future geniuses
1: absolutely alright continuing on then we have cut six on the album All My Sorrows Elvis fans will know it better as All My Trials part of Elvis' performance of an American trilogy
0: you know bound to die but all my trials Lord, will
1: this is a traditional song popularized by the kingston trio uh, in the u.s. and the kingston trio It can't be underestimated just how popular they were. I don't know about worldwide, but certainly in the US, they were up there with Elvis and Pat Boone and everybody else that was huge. And the amazing thing about this is that the shadows sound pretty much exactly like the Kingston Trio. They managed to replicate those harmonies.
0: Now there's only one thing that money can buy True love that will never die All my sorrow Soon forgotten Yeah, it's credited as a a J. Harris lead vocal, but it's very much a harmony track in the same style, as I say, in the Beatles. But also, I can hear a lot of Edleigh Brothers um, influence again, mm. um, Hank and Bruce were seriously influenced by Dom and Phil. And I think that comes across on this, but um, it, it, it's down as a a J. Harris vocal. I don't know whether they just wanted to credit each of them with a, a lead vocal. Even the one that Bruce sings is more of a harmony than the lead vocal. But yeah, it's it's okay. It's not my favorite on the album either.
1: Boy, it sounds like we're beating up on the vocals, but
0: yeah. uh,
1: I, there's one coming up that I, I really like. They
0: get better in later albums, but I think yeah. your albums that, that they were in the great. I, I don't even like them on the next album. I don't think people even remember the vocal tracks on the album. I could be wrong. It could be wrong. Um, Shadows fans um, might disagree. But it's like when you look at this album, you see the album cover. It's, you, you know, that's one of the greatest instrumental albums of all time. Yeah, That's what I think, anyway. Yeah. So cut seven. We have more
1: Shadows humor. Stand up and say that. Recorded on June 13th, 1961. Written by Hank. Uh, Hank on piano. And playing, yeah, playing exceptionally well.
0: it's not enough for him to be the greatest guitarist in the country he wants to be the greatest pianist in the country yeah yeah and he it, it sounds absolutely fantastic on the piano as well you hear it and you go i this guy can do anything Shocking i an
1: mean it, right? <laughs> he yeah, would be yeah. like the star keyboardist in any other band if he didn't already play guitar you yeah know? exactly yeah yeah So, we get to a song that you mentioned earlier as one of your favorites growing up, and it's Gonzales, recorded on October 26th, 1960, and this is credited to someone named Robin McGlynn, but this is actually another pseudonym, or maybe it's a friend of the Shadows and they just gave them the publishing money, but this was really written by Marvin, Welsh, and Harris. (laughs)
0: It's also uh, good to mention that this was the first song on side two of the album and um i think for the younger listeners the album had two sides so like the first song would always be a strong song the last song on side one would be a strong song so this is side two with a strong song starting off again and um, it's mad i don't even know whether they would put them in that order if um it was just played straight through but yeah gonzalez is one of my favorite uh shadows tracks of all time and they actually played it in the final tour in 2004 which was probably the biggest highlight in the show for me because we weren't expecting it at all and just came in so i think um, part two was the second song in in part two of the show is absolutely fantastic
1: now somebody's playing bongos on this yeah now, I don't know. I'm not saying that maybe it's Bongo Herbert himself. It could playing, be Bongo Herbert,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Bruce did say that in, um, in an interview before on YouTube, that he, Cliff actually came in on little bits of vocals, little bits of rhythm guitar on Shadow's tracks, that, and he n- never got credited. So I'd love to know which exact tracks were. Right. Uh, one of them is definitely a vocal track called My Way, that's on Finders Keepers soundtrack. I can definitely hear Cliff in the harmony of that. Everybody has disagreed with me. I asked that question on my Shadows page, and we said, no way, like, he's dancing to it in the movie. There's no way he's singing as well. I said, no, on the record.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah. The,
0: the movie. There's
1: also a photo of... There's a couple of photos where you see Cliff on rhythm guitar, like, off in the corner in the recording studio, so you know he's contributing. Yeah. So next we get... Find Me a Golden Street, a song written by Norman Petty, recorded on January 27th, 1961. This was first recorded by the Fireballs in the U. There are Buddy Holly connections yeah. all over this record. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a good little track.
0: This was the second favorite in that poll I did on my Shadows Facebook page. And this probably shocked me even more than There because I knew Blue Star is a fantastic track. But this this shocked me, and um, that was yeah, a fan's second favorite track. Yeah, I, I don't know whether I'd pick it as my second favorite track, but uh, it's definitely up there already. Yeah, it's great.
1: It's great. The next one, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly.
0: Theme from a filleted place? Filleted. It's yes like affiliate of fisher or something like that <laughs> so
1: june 1st 1961 written by hank bruce and jet it's a play on theme from a summer place although it doesn't sound anything like it yeah there was
0: numerous tracks like team from this team from that so i guess they were just having fun with the title yeah
1: i told you that i had some unlikely favorites on this album this is my second favorite track on the record And what I love about this is, and I mean this in the best possible sense, it sounds like the background music on a Pathé newsreel that you would have seen around the time. You know how the announcer is like, And here they are, the shadows, those bright young men with a big future.
0: Yes, the sky's the limit for The Shadows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, it'd be definitely in my top five on the album as well. Just a great track, yeah. Absolutely love it. Track 11 here is
1: That's My Desire, recorded April 20th, 1961. This is written by Helmy Cressa and Carol Loveday. This is based on Dion and the Belmont's version. Dude! And as we've mentioned on the past show, Cliff himself recorded a version for the Cliff Sings album.
0: To meet where chips is played Down in that dim cafe And dance to the break of day Cliff actually was on Desert Island this, I think, that year as well, 1961. And he chose Dion and the Belmont's version to take to a Desert Island as one of his discs. Um, so he was, that was a big favourite of his as well. Um, it was a big favourite of all the Shadows at the time. Um, I, I think I prefer the Shadows version to the Cliff version. and uh, yes. You won't hear me say that too often, but <laughs> definitely I yeah. prefer the Shadows. I love the harmonies on it. It's just perfect harmonies on it. To spend one night with you In our old rendezvous And reminisce with you That's my desire
1: Yeah, it's clearly the better version, although, to be honest, and this is going to sound like heresy, but my favorite version of That's My Desire is not by Dion, not by Cliff, not by The Shadows. It's actually by The Letterman, who also released it in 1961. It's a fun, up-tempo version. When I think of the song, this is the version I go to. Up next, track 12 on the album, My Resistance is Low, which sounds like a Shadows kind of a title, but it's actually a song written by Hoagie Carmichael. This was recorded on June 21st, 1961. The song is featured in the 1952 movie, The Las Vegas Story, where it's sung by Hoagie Carmichael and Jane Russell. You touch my fingertips and my heart
0: is aglow What's on your mind, baby? And to kiss my lips And I can't let you go
1: And again, this brings up the question who is discovering these songs for the Shadows to cover? Is it the Shadows as cinephiles or is it Nori Paramore through his connections?
0: Yeah, you have to remember 1960, 1961, rock and roll was only four years gone. It's like but probably 56, they first heard Heartbreak Hotel. Before that, it was all classical and big bands and everything. So that's what they grew up with. So maybe. It could have been their own choice.
1: Anthony Rotuno, if you're listening to this, here are all the elements that you like: the militaristic drum, Bruce oh, yeah. on acoustic, yeah. <laughs> everything yeah. that he always singled oh, out. Fair, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we get to track 13, and it's "Sleepwalk," recorded April 20th, 1961, uh, and Farina and Santo and Johnny. The Santo and Johnny recording of this, to me, is so iconic. So iconic that. Yeah. For someone to record a cover of it and not have it suck is tough. But the Shadows... The Shadows are known for this track as well. They made it their own. (laughs) The Shadows version is different enough. It, it, It splits the difference. It's different enough to be great and enjoyed almost like its own composition, but it still manages to maintain the haunting quality of the Santo and Johnny version.
0: Yeah, the first right. song I heard um, Sleepwalk was in La Bamba. La Bamba came out in 87. I was 12 years old. I was absolutely obsessed with that film. So then I think my dad was playing The Shadows, and I, I said, that's that's from La Bamba. And uh, he goes, no, that's not in La Bamba. That's The Shadows. <laughs> and he insisted that was written by The Shadows and the whole lot. And I said, no, it's in La Bamba. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I have a great connection to that song. I absolutely love that. That's probably it, It's probably my favorite track on the whole entire album, uh, Sleepwalk. Absolutely love it. Um, never get tired of it. They still, well, up until they were touring, they always performed a live. Hank done it in his, um, I went to see Hank in uh, back in 1995 in Dublin, and he featured it on his tour as well. It's, it's an absolute classic. All right, here we go.
1: The last song on this album, the first long-playing record, by The Shadows, called The Shadows. And we have the song Big Boy, written by Bruce and Hank, recorded on May 12th, 1961. And again, like, like we were saying earlier, these songs were recorded over a long span of time. And I'm wondering if these were just stray tracks that didn't quite fit on EPs and singles, and they were just collected on this album, or were they recorded along the way specifically for an album?
0: There was a lot of risk in actually releasing an album. I don't even think um, Marty Wilde actually released an album in his whole rock and roll career. Um, hmm. because even though he was a big star, they just thought an album would be too risky to put out. I suppose it costs a lot more and it's a big, bigger risk and they just go with the singles the quick cash. But um, The Shadows released now and it got to number one. It's one of the biggest albums yeah. that year. It's not the biggest album that year. I'm not sure about that. But it, it yeah, it was, the was on the
1: charts for a number of weeks. I mean, some some kind of ridiculous amount of same thing with the with the first EP, which was on the charts for half yeah. a year. But um, Big Boy they... is just
0: typical of the Shallow Sound. Um, it's almost like their their earlier stuff, but also it's more improved version of their older stuff and really there's a lot of echo on it and a lot of um energy on it and um, then it, it, that you could see what way they were going then it's a good closer to the album as well
1: yeah and it's got some yeehaws and woohoos and shouting it's,
0: yeah so it's leave on something high, yeah
1: yeah right going out with a
0: bang well i think it's important to say with this album like not only the ages hank was only 20 bruce was only 20 Um, Jet was 21 and Tony was only 19 but also they recorded in one track so if they made mistakes they had to record the whole thing again so that's unheard of these days people probably don't even believe that that happened but um, there's meant to be dozens and dozens of outtakes in the My studios and I'm just waiting for them to release them because I'd love to hear some of the the outtakes Um, and there was no overdubs or edits put on these songs at all there was one track and that's it that's what you get. It's almost a live album.
1: Yeah. There was an interview not too long ago with Hank Marvin on Gary Kemp and Guy Pratt's Rockin' Tours podcast, which is a podcast I'd recommend to you. And they were asking, or, or Hank was talking about how other musicians have come up to him and said, how do you get that sound, that shadow sound? And he's like, Uh, we all have to play at the same time in a room. (laughs) That's really the, the way to really capture that sound, which I guess Malcolm Addy captured. So, Mark, as we wrap up here, it was announced that Cliff is recording an album, and he's got an album coming out in December. So... Which do you think it's going to be from our previous <laughs> Christmas album? <laughs> <Saturday. laughs> right. Is it going to be a Christmas album? Because <laughs> <laughs> he said it's going to come out around Christmas time. Well, uh, well he releases everything around that time. Right. It could be. Is it going to be a Christmas? Is it going to be his Everly Brothers? Everly tribute? Brothers.
0: Um I think if it was going to be the Everly Brothers, we would have got some hints by now. Also, there was mentioned that he was going to do a duet album with Elaine Page. Yeah. I kind of secretly hope, but not secretly now because I'm saying it. And I hope it is not a duet album with Elaine Page, but I don't know. <laughs> it, it could be just another
1: contemporary pop album. It could just be, you know, there are songs left over from the Rise Up writing sessions that yeah, could be, be good. used. Yeah. Be good, yeah. Yeah well thanks again for coming on Mark it's always a pleasure and where can people go on social media to catch up with your various Cliff
0: and the Shadows activities I'm not going to name all of them but there's multiple uh, Cliff and the (laughs) Shadows pages on uh, Facebook Um, probably the most popular one is just one called Cliff Richard Fans and the other one is just called the (laughs) Shadows
1: My thanks again to Mark Cunningham for appearing on the program this month. Next month, Darren Price of Cliff Richard Radio joins me to talk about what may be my favorite Cliff and the Shadows album, 21 Today. That'll be next month. Again, join us on Facebook. Look for We Say Yeah. On Twitter, it's also We Say Yeah. And you can send me an email. It's We Say Yeah podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.
0: He say yeah. He say yeah.